0: here we are once again and we don't know why no actually i know exactly why we are where we are we're here because it's monday and monday is the day that i answer your blue jackets questions it's all part of the monday mailbag Yes, it is uh, time to do it again. Believe it or not, these weeks just fly by. They really do. Closer you get to Christmas, the more the weeks fly by, I think. At least to me, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Um, anyway, the Blue Jackets last night in Boston, lose to the Bruins, 3-1 to the final score. I've got to be honest with you. I thought for the first 40 minutes of that game, It was some of the best hockey I've ever seen the Blue Jackets play, ever. I'm not talking about this team. I'm talking about since I've been here. I thought it was great. The sticks in the passing lanes, the block shots, the sustained offensive zone time, the effort when you got trapped inside of your own zone, the goaltending, everything but scoring, because that was coming at a premium in the first two periods of that game. It was hard to do for both teams. Spencer Martin was fantastic, fantastic. And then with 35 seconds le- uh, left, 35 seconds left, there we go, in the second period, Boone Jenner able to get a bounce right to his stick and he puts it in the net and the Blue Jackets take a one to nothing lead. Then they go into the dressing room and they come out for the start of the third period and, and you're thinking, at least this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, all right, now. That one goal is probably not going to stand up. you got to add to this lead. So just come out with a good, strong start to this period. Just do what you've been doing for the last 40 minutes and then work for another opportunity to build on this. And before you know it, Brad Marchand scores a goal to make it 1-1. And then the Blue Jackets get into penalty trouble. Whether the calls should have been made or shouldn't have been made, that's a totally separate subject. Because I didn't like that call against Voronkov, he got called for tripping. I think he got called for being bigger than the guy he was defending. But anyway, a uh, couple of power plays later, Marchand adds two more goals. Bruins win three to one. And it's just so darn frustrating, so frustrating. I, I need to come up with more words for frustrating because it seems like you know this team struggles and then. They play a game like they did on Friday night, and you think they have it figured out just to find out that you were wrong. And this is what's been happening throughout the course of the season, unfortunately, is that you have them, they will play well for a game or they'll play well for a spurt, and then it reverts back to what it was. The consistency still isn't there. And without the consistency you do not get the re- the desired results. You just don't. So you come off the Friday game, and you're like, you know what? You were down 2-0 in the first period, took a lot of penalties, rebounded, tied the game, took the lead with two goals in the second period, and then closed it out. Closed it out, something they haven't been able to do. Closed it right out. Maybe they're there. And then yesterday... Boone Jenner scores with 35 seconds left in the second period. 35 seconds! And they worked so hard to get that goal. So very hard to get that one goal. And then they come out in the third period, and and it disappears. Brad Marchand scores early in the period, and it's a 1-1 game. And then they take some penalties, and then there are two more Marchand goals in the back of the net, and that's all she wrote. 3-1, to you lose the game. It's just, uh, as I'm looking for other words, I almost said mind-boggling. It's not mind-boggling because they're just not ready. I guess that's the thing that I should just come to terms with. They're not ready. They're not ready to be that consistent team. Why? I don't know. But they're just not ready. They're just not there. I can try to will them there much as I want to. They're not ready. They're not at that point. I was disappointed for Spencer Martin. He started in goal. He beat the Bruins on Monday at Nationwide Arena. He played really well again yesterday. In fact, you could make the argument that in the first two periods, had he not been as good as he was, it might have been a much different result in that game. So he was good. He was really good. And there were good parts about it, but, again, uh, the Blue Jackets' power play struggled. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. There's some reasons for that yesterday beyond just the normal struggles, and I'll get into that. But getting power play chances at opportune times, not being able to do anything with those chances, that, uh, again, came back to bite them. It was just, uh, like I said, you felt like I felt like they deserved a better fate. And after forty minutes, I thought that they were going to to get what they deserved. I knew that one goal wasn't going to win it. I mean, they would they had to score more than one. I didn't even for the life of me think that a one to nothing game was in the works yesterday. It wasn't going to happen. But I thought they would get more than one, and it, it just didn't. So that's where it is. So, if you are with me live on X Spaces, and if you would like to ask a question, do it live. All you have to do is request to be a speaker. I can bring you up. Some have already got on the X platform and sent me your questions, so I'll go through those. We'll do it all. We do it like this every week, you know. You, but look, I can I can see who's on with me. So we have. Uh, Pretty much a normal cast of characters here, so you guys know how it works. Nothing secretive about it. There's no no top secret changes from last week to this week. I just keep it uh, I just keep it simple. Try to keep it simple and go after it. All right, so let me get to some of your some of your questions. And I'm going to start with Cooper. And Cooper says, We've seen a lot of success this past decade with teams that build around a core of three or four players. For example, Kopitar, Dowdy, and Quick in Los Angeles, Crosby, Malkin, Latang in Pittsburgh. And Cooper says here it all starts with Fantilli. Who else should the Blue Jackets focus building around? Well, I think you're spot on, obviously, with Adam Fantilli. He is, he is going to be the focal point of what happens here. And I think right now, Zach has got to be in that conversation. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, with Zach's abilities, his offensive abilities, his uh, leadership abilities, the, the things he can do for you, I think he's got to be on that list. And then it gets to the third spot. That gets more tricky to me. It really does. Because there are several different ways that you could go on this. I think, personally, I think the easiest way or the most, I shouldn't say easiest, that's the wrong choice of words. I think the way that makes the most sense is for that guy to be Johnny Gaudreau. And I'll tell you why. Because Johnny is still locked in here for another five years. So you want to be winning in that time, right? Right. So, to me, that's the third piece of your puzzle. Now, there are other ways that you can go. There are different tacks that you can take on that. You know, you could make the uh, argument to me that um, Dmitry Varonkov might be somebody that weasels his way into that third spot. I say that like he's sneaking his way in there. He's not sneaking his way into anything, is he? No, he's not. I mean, he is uh, he's showing himself to be a player with great potential. So you could go that route. Kirill Marchenko has really picked up his game. I think that I, I think there's so much more that he has to add. I don't even know if he realizes how much more he has. But in watching him play and just watching the player that he's starting to turn into and only his second year in the National Hockey League, I think there's uh, there's such a terrific upside there for Kirill Marchenko. But my three are going to be Fantilli, Goudreau, and Wierenski. So that's who I'm picking, and that's what Cooper asked. Who do I think? So that's who I think. If you think differently, go ahead and send me a message. Go ahead and request to be a speaker, and uh, we can talk about that. Maybe, you, And maybe you do think differently. Maybe there, Maybe there is another trio that you see better than the one that I see. Lauren says I couldn't listen to the Boston game but Matthew Olivier said in an interview that it came down to penalties and special teams what can we learn from the NHLs what can we learn from the NHL's top power plays what do they do that allows them to capitalize on the man advantage we have the talent and it's not for lack of trying I don't know if I agree with all of that I, I agree the talent is there. The lack of trying, it's not always the case, but sometimes I'd like to see a little bit more. When the other team is pressuring you, which they are doing a lot, I would like to see a little bit more trying. Let's try to move the puck faster. I think, all, I think in general, on the power play, Why don't they do that? Why don't you try to move it a little bit faster? What do you learn from the top power plays in the National Hockey League? Watch the way they zip it around. Watch the way they get people out of position by their quick passing. Now, I told you earlier that we would talk about the power play, so here we are. And I told you yesterday there was a little bit more of a reason that they were unsuccessful than some other games. Now, this is coming off a two-for-two performance on... Friday night, okay? Again, just when you think they have it fixed, they don't. But, 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 but. The Boston Bruins went into that game yesterday with the third-ranked penalty kill in the league. Third-ranked. Blue Jackets were second. Boston was third. So, to not have success yesterday, that doesn't come as much of a surprise because of the... The team you were going up against and the track record that they have this year when it comes to killing off penalties, okay? So, but how do they do it? And I think a lot of teams are doing this. They're attacking. They're not letting Warenski sit out there at the blue line and look it over two or three times, try to think what he's going to do. Am I going to pass it to Johnny or Patty? Let me see. Uh, oh, I have plenty of time to think about it. No, he doesn't. These teams are pressuring. They know this power play is struggling. They know they're looking for answers, and they're not giving them any time to get the answers. Zero. They're attacking, they're pushing. And then the whole, uh, the whole, um, you know, I, I, I don't understand. This drives me crazy. It really does. I don't understand why they struggle. Gaudreau and Laine struggle to get the puck across the ice to one another. But they do. It's very obvious, and teams are picking off those passes and breaking up those passes ad nauseum. You know they've kind of switched it around a little bit now. They're they're moving it. You know they they kind of go from one of them to Woransky to the other one. But that that cross seam pass they they just struggle with. I don't I don't know why, I don't get it. I don't know, but they do. So that's again, there's a lot of frustration with that. But again, the, the Bruins yesterday. They're a good penalty-killing team. So the fact that you struggled with it yesterday is not as much of a surprise. But it stinks because the opportunities were there. I think the the one in particular was when Provorov got high stick by Pasternak, the dumb penalty. He's trying to lift the stick, and it was kind of a frustration play, and he hits Provorov in the face, and you're like, right here, this is the one. If you're, if you're going to score a power play goal, get this one right here. They're one of their best players just put himself in the box take advantage of this beat him on this and he couldn't do it so you know again it, it they're a good penalty killing team I'll give them that but it doesn't uh, it doesn't make you feel too much better about it does it all right let me get uh, somebody on live here and let's go to Tom who would like to join today's show hello Tom how are you Oh wait a minute! Tom's not on. I thought Tom was on. I could. I guess I can't see the way I think I can see. All right, Tom is on now. He Should be on now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. Hey, Tom, how
1: are you? Oh, hey, Bill. I'm Bob, how? Uh, I. It's funny. Uh, I had I had a whole message recorded for you yesterday. I didn't think I'd be able to jump in today, but uh. It was before the Boston game, and what a weird game. Like, I think just – I think that the, it felt like the game was as much against the Bruins as it was the refs, and I know that that's silly, but, like, the whole thing with the icing call that wasn't an icing call, and I don't know, it just felt like a weird, weird game.
0: Wait a minute, you, the, already, you already knew this before – you had a message for me before <laughs> the game?
1: Oh no! No, oh. I had I had a whole thing. I had a whole thing recorded. You know the I was on. Oh, let's say like a couple weeks ago, and I was I was talking to you about the we don't know if it's a raw egg or an omelet kind of yes. thing.
0: Yes, yes, I remember that. And
1: and it feels a lot closer to an omelet at this point. And I think that yesterday, honestly, like it just felt like it felt for one, it felt like a weird game. And it also just felt like kind of an ego check for the jackets. It felt like they they were feeling their game a little bit, and Boston caught them off guard, thinking that they could get away with just kind of cruising through the game on, yeah, on on a Sunday night. But
0: you thought they were cruising yeah. in the first two periods? Did you think they were cruising? Uh, <laughs> well, it was just it. I thought they were working in the first two periods. That's why I'm saying that because I really, I was really impressed with the first two. The way it ended, it's it's very, it's easy to get turned on it real quick. Like
1: I think maybe not cruising, but it felt like it. It felt like kind of closer to the beginning of the year when you'd see guys try flashier things and get away with them without putting in without, uh, I don't know, without doing kind of the basic fo- following through with things, I guess is what I'm thinking. Okay. Like it felt like they were, uh, and I think, I think that Kent Johnson is still one of those guys that's just, he, he's going to take a little bit of time to adjust to the pace. And like, of course he can go and light it up in the AHL. And, and like, I think that that's, that's just a crazy reminder to show like how big of a difference those two leagues are that he goes back and lights it up and then comes up and tries to do similar things. And it's very, like, so quickly shown that not not in this league are you going to get away with that, at least not without some extra effort to, to, like, just, I don't know, zone entries and stuff like that. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, I liked it. His, his Friday game was better than his yesterday game for sure. And, yeah. again, the yeah. competition was better yesterday than it was Friday. No offense to Ottawa, but it was.
1: Sure, yeah, and I think, honestly, I think yesterday's game for Boston, like, I, I don't think they played poorly, but I think that Marchand was the guy for them yesterday. And it's like funny I, you say
0: that because I was just thinking about this. Sorry to interrupt, but listen to this. You're good. In the first two periods, Brad Marchand couldn't handle a puck to save his life. <laughs> right? Couldn't. <laughs> now, now here's the difference. Yeah. Patrick Line has been the same for weeks, okay? Yeah. yeah. But... As soon as the game was on the line and somebody had to be a difference maker, all of a sudden, that guy couldn't miss with the puck on his stick. You notice that? Like it, it, He yeah. was night and day. It was unbelievable because I, I thought to myself after the second period, Thank goodness we caught this guy on a bad day. Like he scored the overtime winner last night, and today he can't do anything. Thank goodness. And within three minutes he had the game tied, and then he goes on to score two more. It was unbelievable how bad he was and how good he got in an instant. Yeah, right. But that's what the good yeah. players do, or I should say that's what the good players are supposed to do.
1: Yeah, with a little time and space, just make, those, make that happen. And they weren't. It's funny. Like the the shots that he took weren't from like, they were they looked like they were shots from the point. They were defensemen shots from yeah. like, yeah, like he, they weren't from in front of the net. They weren't his dirty his usual like, kind of Boone Jenner style in front of the net, getting scrappy kind of goals. They were just yeah, just yeah. putting it on net and it went in.
0: Yeah, he could he but, couldn't stick handle with the puck in the first two periods, and he became a sniper in the third period.
1: Yeah. Huh. Hey Bob, I've got one question before yeah. before you move on. Um as as a fan, I it's really frustrating like something that I've noticed is just the the dropping of the puck and whether it's whether it's our guys or the other guys getting called out of the faceoff dot. Do you know what's going on there because it's I, like I don't care who's getting kicked out. As a fan, like it kills the rhythm, it kills like the momentum, like it, it might be exciting for either side. And then it's just it, a guy may coast up to the faceoff dot and immediately get called out. And it's like, what, what was that for? Yeah. Do, I, you, do you have any idea on that?
0: I have no idea what they're doing on that. I just, yeah, it. it I agree with you. It's maddening sometimes. I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's some new edict about the way that they're going to do things. I don't know if the linesmen all of a sudden uh, feel extremely powerful. I don't know what's going on, but um, yeah. it, I, I think it is, I agree with you, it is very noticeable. And I don't know if every team's having this problem. I mean, I mean, every team that plays a Blue Jacket seems to have it. I don't know what it's like <laughs> in other games, but I mean, oh, our guys, it seems like they get kicked out. Poor Voronkov; they finally have allowed him to stay in and take some face-offs for crying out loud. I mean, he was one yeah. where, yeah, he wouldn't even get in there and they'd be waving him out. And then uh, there were other times that they would have somebody else taking the face off. That guy would get waved out, and then they're bringing Vronkov in as the second guy. And I'm worried because, you know, if the second guy gets tossed out, then you, you get a delay of game penalty. And I'm thinking they won't even no. let this guy take the first one, and now he's got to come in and take the second one. Anyway, it hasn't happened, thank goodness. But I, yeah. I don't know I don't know what's going on with that. They are being – they are absolutely positively – being sticklers, at least in the games the Blue Jackets are playing in. Yeah. Well,
1: they
0: also, I they think the Blue Jackets sure. complain a lot. Quite honestly.
1: <laughs> no, I do. Us, us, I do. I think the
0: fans or the players. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the guys taking the face-offs. I think they. Okay. I I think they're not afraid to speak their peace of mind. And depending upon who you're working with, if they don't like you speaking your peace of mind, they can make sure you're not standing in that spot. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah,
0: just take, just take <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not saying that's really. all the time, but I'm yeah. saying that there's some guy. Look, I love Sean Corral, and he's a quiet guy until he's going to take a face off, and he doesn't think the linesman has it set up right. He'll tell him.
1: I was I was gonna say I think did was it you or Jody Shelley had a had a chat with him early, like maybe even in the off season this year, and that was pretty insightful to hear him talk about almost building up rapport with the with the linesman and. So that hopefully they, they let you stay and hopefully they drop it a little bit closer to you rather than the other guys. Yeah. Because they're always there always seems to be a little bit of yeah, leniency or something there.
0: And, and then you and you start to learn what guys you might be able to have rapport with and which guys you're never going to have rapport with and you're just gonna to have to live with it, right? And those guys are probably yeah. the ones that get yelled at a lot more than the guys that you can build something with. Because yeah, that's sure. human nature. Yeah. All right, Tom, so Tom, well, wait a minute before I let you go. So are you telling me that you feel like this is, it's, it's like a two egg omelet, but we're looking for that three egg omelet.
1: (laughs) I think, I think my optimism is probably one of like, I don't know. It's, I'm I'm probably, it's probably a little silly at this point, but yeah. No, it's not. I'm still optimistic. I'm still optimistic. And I think that what they're doing now is going, it's, they're almost making investments at this point, and I don't think that you're going to see an immediate return. Kind of like the whole thing with Lion A, and it's really hard to watch, to read things online about trading Lion A, when we're just now starting to see some of the things that he's doing outside of what he's normally expected to do and sit in his office and shoot the puck. But Yeah, yeah whoa, whoa, just, whoa, whoa,
0: wait, like what?
1: <laughs> like 4 check, and 4 yeah, back checking, for checking. Like I I don't know, maybe maybe I've got some sele- almost like selective hearing, some selective viewing. <laughs> but I, I'm seeing him I'm seeing him hit guys, I'm seeing him fore check, back check, and it's just he's skating, like he he's not letting people get I don't know. He's I don't know if he's taking kind of uh taking the lead from Jenner in terms of leadership and just showing some of the younger guys what the Tom and Tom. trying to find other ways to Tom. contribute. But, yeah, what's up? Tom. <laughs> yeah.
0: I yeah, love I that. love that you're an optimist. I do. I, I love that. I, I think it's good, and, and I don't like being a pessimist. But, Uh-oh. like, the longer you go on on this, I've, I've just got to say, you're talking about a guy that has scored 35 and 40 goals in a year in his career, and you're talking about how good of a back checker he's becoming. listen. I know they want everybody to play a 200-foot game, but I don't think they traded for him to get a back checker. They didn't trade to get a four checker. They traded to get a sniper. And he's not living up to that at this moment, right? So I love your optimism. I really do. I, I, I really do. But Patrick, there's, there's so much more he's not doing than what he is doing. And he's not the only guy not for sure, sure he's not the only guy i'm not we're talking about him that's why I'm, that's why i'm talking about him but um there's i don't know
1: i i guess i guess my view is if he's not able to capitalize in that way the fact that he's finding other ways to contribute yeah but maybe, he's making 8
0: million dollars a year sure i mean justin danforth does those other things and he makes far less you know what i mean Yeah. So, so I I understand you get upset about those things, about seeing trade speculation and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's nature of the beast when you're making that money and you're not doing the job that you're getting paid to do fully. So I get it, but you keep being an optimist, Tom, because I like that and I need balance. So if I'm going to (laughs) be a pessimist, I need you to be an optimist. And I don't like being a pessimist. I'm just, I'm just calling it like I see it in this case. Yeah. All right. I got you. All right, buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks coming you. on today. Appreciate it. Almost said thanks for calling. That's my What are we in the 20th century? Not calling. We're on X spaces. And if you're there and you want to talk or ask a question, you can do that just by requesting to be a speaker. Uh all right. So let me go to this. Since we're there because we are kind of there. So I'm just going to go to these next two. I'm going to put two together here. One's from Union and Blue. It says, we all read about the team scouting the Blue Jackets. Who do you think they're looking at? And I'm going to pair that up with uh, this next one here. Cannon goes boom, who says, thoughts on the scouts at the previous games looking at Elvis. Do you think anything will come of it? And if so, do you think it's a good idea? I am not sold on this Elvis stuff. I'm not. I know what is out there. I know what has been written. I know what has been said. I'm having a hard time processing this because if the Edmonton Oilers are interested in Elvis Merzlikens, if they are, you're going to have to take back Jack Campbell, right? Because Jack Campbell's making a similar amount to Elvis. He's making like $5 million a year. They're not going to, ha- and by the way, he's in the American Hockey League right now. They are not going to have $10 million tied up in goaltending, half of which is not even playing in the league. So I don't, I, I just, that's why I have a hard time processing this one, because if you have to take him in a trade, Daniel Tarasov went to Cleveland this weekend and started playing in games, finally. And I know what you're going to say, Bob, we can't count on this guy. He's been hurt too much. This guy's always hurt. This tears off. Guys always hurt. I, I can't. You can't count on him. You don't know what you got in this guy. Okay, yeah, I know. You're going to say all of that, and you're right. I understand. When he's healthy, he should be competing to be the number one goalie on this team. But he hasn't been healthy, so I have no argument with that. I've been telling people for three years: this guy's the next coming of. Sergey Bobrovsky, meaning a, a, not meaning a Russian goalie, meaning a guy that's going to be that guy. And he hasn't done it because he's been hurt way too much. Okay, I get it. I understand. Spencer Martin plays well yesterday. Elvis has been playing well throughout the season, especially as of late. Tarasov is coming back. You see what's uh, sizing up here, right? The old three-headed monster. Three goalies. You know what no team wants to have? Three goalies. They might put up with it in March, in April, and into the playoffs. Nobody wants to do it in December. But what are you going to do? How are they going to navigate this? Because if Tarasov goes on waivers, I don't care how much he's been hurt. Somebody's taking him because of the potential that's there. Somebody will say, you know what, my training staff will keep him healthy, my doctors will keep him healthy, and by goodness, he'll be winning a Vezina Trophy. And maybe he will. Maybe he'll do that here if he stays healthy. Um, So if you put him on waivers, you're just asking to have him taken. Spencer Martin goes on waivers right now, you're probably asking to have him taken. And you don't want to let either of those guys go without getting something in return what can you get in return i don't know but you would rather not walk away empty handed so it is a conundrum but if 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 the oilers are really looking at elvis and again i know frank servelli said that his agent is edmonton based and uh, changes scenery might all that stuff but you're going to have to take Jack Campbell back. And how's that going to alleviate your three-headed monster? Are you just going to put him in Cleveland for $5 million a year? Are you going to do that? Are you going to bring him into the league? Or are you going to look for a partner maybe to try to do a three-way deal? Maybe. That could be possible. I know Washington has been, uh, Blue Jacket Scouts have been following Washington out on the West Coast. Again, everybody's on Edmonton because they watch like three games in a row. By the way, are you certain they were watching the Blue Jackets goaltending and not the other team's goaltending? Are you sure? Could have been both. Could have been one. Could have been both. I'll tell you this. Jeff Suleko is in charge of the, the goaltending and the scouting for the goaltending with the Edmonton Oilers. He happens to live in Columbus. So I know there were two other guys there, but, you know, anytime Jeff shows up, it's not automatic slam dunk that he's, looking at a goaltender or that he's looking for a trade for a goaltender. Sometimes he's just doing his reports and watching. I was talking to a scout about this during the last home game. And I, I said, uh, I said, sometimes I laugh when you see the writers talk about all oh, this guy was there, that guy was there. There were two scouts from this team there because sometimes it means something and sometimes it means nothing. Sometimes it just happened to be, and when did, okay, so that was the Friday night. There were two games in the in the league. There was one here and one in New Jersey. So there were a ton of scouts at our game. Why? Because there were no choices. You're either going to go to one of those two NHL games or you're going to go to an American Hockey League game if you're a pro scout. That's it. That's all. And sometimes maybe there's a game here Friday night and there's an afternoon game in Cleveland on Saturday. Or maybe there's an afternoon game in Cleveland on Saturday, a night game here on Saturday, and they just, you know, they do their travels so that they hit them all. So, again, sometimes it's legit, and other times it's like, well, why do you guys have two guys here? Well, we just happened to both be in the same area, and there was not really any other choices, so we're here. But, again, maybe maybe the stuff with Elvis is true. I don't know, but I, I just I don't see how you do it with without having to take Campbell. And then what do you do? You still have the three-goalie situation. You have one that's making a lot of money that's in the American Hockey League right now. How are you alleviating that? Did I say? I said alleviating, like Matthew Olivier. That's what I just said. Alleviating. Came out of my mouth, and I was like, what did I say? I said, what? Huh? What was that? Huh? (laughs) Oh, and I get paid to talk for a living. you got to be kidding me right now. Anyway, so, look, and they've got to be looking. These scouts are looking at defensemen. They know the Blue Jackets have too many defensemen. I think Adam Boquist has been playing pretty well right now. He's probably doing himself some favors, quite frankly. So I would say they're looking at that. There's still a lot of forwards here. If you're, you know, if you're a team that has, maybe you're looking for a bottom six forward. Maybe you're looking for, I don't know, I don't know. Are you are you, are you watching Patrick Line? Do you think you can fix them? Do you think you can take on eight million dollars? I don't know what they're thinking when they come. All kind of different thoughts. And I'll say this: this is this is one thing that I'll just. I'll put out there cuz it sounds like I'm picking and and I'm not. I'm not. But this this roster sometimes and maybe this is because of uh the inconsistency that uh, that this is coming to my mind, maybe it's maybe it's the reason for the inconsistency. I don't know. But sometimes it feels like it is a it's like a collection of pieces, but all the pieces don't fit into the places where you need them to be right? Is it is it a roster or is it a team? Sometimes it looks like one, sometimes it looks like the other. And there's a big difference. Like, you can play fantasy hockey and you can say, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy. And then, like, if you had to really put him on the ice, you'd be like, oh, wait a minute, this guy doesn't really do good in this role. I, I could use somebody different to play there, you know? It, it can't just be a collection of pieces. It has to be a collection of pieces that go together like a puzzle, right? You're trying to build. So you got to you got to do that. And sometimes sometimes it looks like it's a it's a collection that it's a team and sometimes it looks like a collection that it's a a roster. And again, they're very very different. Troy, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. How are you, Troy? I'm good. How are you, Bob? I'm good, but I have a question here. Like you're, you're, you're dedicated. You're there every week. You always come on and you ask a question. There's so many other people. I don't know if they're scared or or what it is, but you know, it's like uh, I love when you guys come on and you ask me questions. But there's so many people. like nobody. I what do I have to do? Dangle tickets or something to get somebody new to ask a question? I'm not trying to bump you, by the way. I'm just just talking off the top of my head.
2: Well. I, I really like how interactive it is. That's why.
0: Tell I, your friends not to be shy, you know?
2: Bob, if I didn't live in New York and all my friends weren't <laughs> Islanders and Rangers fans, I bet you I'd have 20 people on here every day.
0: I'll bring them on. I'll fight with them all day.
2: Oh, maybe for the Islanders. Dan, oh, I yeah. I would fight make with a them. Of himself Tell them
0: life. what I think about that place and that team. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great.
2: <laughs> So the point that you were talking about earlier is where to build around. And I was thinking as listening to the podcast as it was unfolding, or X Spaces rather. Right.
0: Later they'll be listening to it as a podcast, and they'll be saying, yeah, I wonder why I didn't get on X Spaces and ask a live question. Go ahead, Troy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, you know, how are these teams in the NHL pulling away slash getting bargains? These GMs are giving their younger players – contracts that end up blossoming well and gambling on them. So, in my head, I'm thinking, well, Varonkov and Marchenko are great players and I also agree with you in the sense that they both have more to offer. They're both 20 years old. I think they have more are, and,
0: and just for the record, in case somebody's just tuning in. They have more to offer. It's not like I'm not talking about them like I was just talking about Line A has more to oh, offer. Oh no, 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 like,
2: no, no. like they they're They don't really
0: even good. know they don't even know yeah. what they have to offer yet.
2: Yeah, I don't Completely. think they – yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, like, they – I mean, they probably do, but those players, I believe, have, like, elite upside. Like, com, Like for instance, give Marchenko a, a contract that's maybe, like, comparable to Nachushkin or, like, Voronkov a contract that's maybe comparable to Barbashev. Give him a bunch of term. He will grow into it. And I think that these young 23-year-old Russian guys – are a good base to keep moving forward for. And Pascal Vincent always talks about when you have a line, it's less left wing, right wing center. It's more net front guy, shooter, playmaker. And in previous years, I would have never even considered this option. But I was thinking if we could get a center who's obviously a past first center, who's Russian, who's proven to win and can help, guys like Veronkov and Marchenko and their skill set by being that pass first unselfish guy that could also be a great center for the second power play unit, you know, but also the key term, this person would probably have to be a placeholder with not a lot of term on their contract. And I feel like, Oh, this feels disgusting because I never would have said this year, last year or the year before. I can't wait to, I to hear
0: like you say a, this. I can't. I, I, mean, like I, I love how it's just – you're like in pain. Like you're in pain right now, aren't perfect.
2: you? Yeah, I feel like Kuznetsov's are really I good. knew it. I knew yeah. you were
0: so painfully trying not to say oh, it.
2: Yeah, I think that skill set that's like – you know what I mean? That pass-first mentality that these guys like Marchenko and Voronkov would be like, we looked up to you. We respect your work and everything you've done. I'll listen when you t- say, go here, X, Y, Z. You think they'll say it just like that, too? No. In course. that very
0: Russian kind of voice that you just used? <laughs> hey, you go left. I'm hitting it back. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. So are you – I don't know. I, I like Voronkov in the middle.
2: I like him in is, the middle. Is he ready to two. be a,
0: se- a number two centerman? No, he's not. I'll give you that.
2: But uh, I do like him in the middle, yeah. but I will say – like, like aside from left-wing, right-wing center, I think the best, like, catalyst to Marchenko or Varonkov would be a playmaker to help both of them, you know? Right. And I feel like Kuznetsov, he hasn't been performing that well of recent, but the truth of the matter is these guys are humans and they do need, like, refreshing scenery once in a while. I mean, look how well Ivan Provorov is performing since his change of scenery and refreshment you know right and i honestly think this these like russian building blocks of players we have hey maybe the power play struggling why not just get one of these guys to round out the second power play like him to help that russian themed line and power play unit
0: (laughs) oh look where we've come to
2: and this is another thing i wanted to bring up especially amongst the trades and the excess of players we have, and the point you were making about a roster versus a lineup. Yeah. Do you watch European soccer by any chance?
0: No, it's on too early in the morning.
2: Okay. So <laughs> are you familiar with the concept that there's a league for each country, but there's also separate competitions, like the best teams in Europe play each other, and then all the teams in See, England this is also success. part
0: of the problem, Troy. This really is. There's so much going on with that, and it's like – I, I, even, even with the crew, like they're playing for a while, then they just stop the league and they play national teams, and then they're back, or maybe not all your guys are there. It really confuses me, all that stuff.
2: And, yes, the top-level teams that are playing in all these competitions, keep in mind, if you're not a top-level team, you don't get entered into these competitions or last long enough because you obviously get eliminated. The top-level teams need insane amounts of depth. And there's teams like I was going to make the comparison to people that might watch the Premier League, like Chelsea in the Premier League, who are of a bunch of young, talented players, but it seems more like a roster than a lineup and stuff isn't fitting into place, you know? And I truly believe that, like, especially in hockey, that they're, the guys that aren't playing consistently, they kind of have to be like matchup adjustment dependent rather than like performance, where you might be like, switching between like a Robinson and Olivier for a speed versus power matchup or like a Boquist versus a peak where you want to be more mobile as opposed to heavy. I feel like there's like so much uncertainty in competition that some people might be gripping their sticks too tight. Potentially.
0: You went through all of that just to get to gripping your stick too tight.
2: Yeah. Wow. I mean, I
0: was up early this morning, but I, but I, I think you've, you've outdone me today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something. You're talking about Kuznetsov, all right? Huh. Well, there's two things. Number one, he's a playmaker. you want to keep Chinikov and Marchenko together because they both will shoot?
2: I would say, honestly, the ideal line would be Varonkov. Uh, playmaking center, and Marchenko, because in terms of balance, I don't think you want two bona fide snipers on a line together.
0: And what are you doing? That now that makes sense. Okay, so who are you going to send the other way? Because some of these guys we're well, talking about, you might that might be the cost.
2: Yes, and I also think that, like, this year in particular, because so many teams are so cap-strapped, like the third-party broker of, like, relieving salary – and getting picks and retention and stuff is going to be like ever more popular than years past. And we've seen that with the trades that the blue jackets made in the off season. And I think it's going to be a reoccurring theme. Cause a lot of these contending teams are just like, listen, this can't be done unless salaries is retained. Right. You know, and one of the, the blue jackets are one of the few teams that can have a full roster and be like, Oh, you're not playing that well. You could play. There's other teams in the NHL that I'm sure we're aware about that they're playing short a player X, Y, Z, seven D men, 11 forwards because of these cap problems, you know? So like, I hate to be like thinking this far ahead, but like to get some sort of reward or incentive in a future trade, we could potentially hold a little bit of cap space for this season. If we had to.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. And that might be the only way that you're able to make the deal that you want to make. So it's a good point. Troy, don't grip your stick too tight, no matter what league you're playing in.
2: (laughs) Thank you for having me on. All right. Have a good one. Appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. My goodness. If you're on X Spaces, you want to uh, come on, ask your question, feel free to do that. Uh, Who do I have now? Fantilly Fanatic next up on today's Monday Mailbag. Unmute. They're Fantilli fanatic. If you unmute, you're welcome to come on the show. If you, there you go. How are you?
3: Sorry about that. Hey, I missed good. the first couple minutes. Uh, did you talk about Kent Johnson yet? Not yet. Go ahead and shoot. Just I is there something with him? I what's I, he played? He played like 11 minutes last game and like 11 minutes the game before, and just again could just be me, but he just doesn't seem into it. I, I don't understand like even uh answered a question a couple nights ago and kind of caught me off guard that he he said well if we don't always have you know if we don't have to always you know drop the puck or uh you know drop it in in the zone then maybe we can make some plays so i'm just wondering is he happy here i mean i don't want to go down that road but just
0: i don't know well first of all um kent is um his playmaking skills are much better than his interview skills. Don't ever take anything that he says or the way that he says it uh, to mean he's unhappy or anything like that. He's not. Uh, he's, that's, just, that's just how he talks. I mean, it's, um, you know, for us to do interviews with him, you know, sometimes we're like, oh. Like, if I know if I go to talk to Ken Johnson, he's going to give me a lot of cliched, short answers. So whereas I will normally go into an interview with three questions in my head that I want the answers to, For Kent, I'm probably going to go in with seven or eight because that's what you're going to get. And when he says, uh, you know, as long as we don't have to dump it in, we can make plays, I I don't think he's saying that like they're being forced to dump the puck in. I think what he's saying is the teams are playing them to make them dump it in, so they have to go chase it. If, If you're defending Kent Johnson, the last thing you want is for him to have the puck on his stick. You want him to dump it in and have to go chase it. Because if you let him come in there and make a play, he might be able to do it. And I say might because, to your point, you know, I know he was tearing it up in the American Hockey League. And I have a good idea why he was tearing it up in the American Hockey League. It's a different style of game. Um, When I was in the American League, guys would always come down. You know, they'd get called up. They would come back down, and they would say, it's so much easier to play up there because it is so much more structured. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. There are so many players that are trying to make an impression on their organizations or on every organization. You're playing for everybody every night. They're trying to make impressions so much that they get out of position. They run around. They go out of their way to hit somebody even though they don't need to because they want to show that that's part of their game and they can do that in the National Hockey League. So while they're doing that, so for some players having that – scrambly type of game doesn't benefit them. For Kent Johnson, it does. Because when those guys are out of position, because they go to finish a hit, a guy with his skill can do so much in that extra second, a second and a half that they just gave him. So, um, and, and I talked to him about this the other day. I asked him about it and, and he said, yeah, that's part of it. And the other thing is the defensemen are not they're just simply not as good in the American hockey league as they are in the national hockey league. And he said, you get more of a gap where you can make a play like in the NHL, the guys, if they're playing the right way, which they are most nights, the gap is tight. They're on you and they don't allow you to be creative. Everybody knows that when Kent Johnson gets the puck, if you let him be creative, you're just asking for it. So, um, so they, they play him as such in the American league. Some of those guys quite simply can't play him like that. They're not good enough, and so he takes full advantage of it, and that's great. But I liked this game on Friday. I thought he had, I, I thought he was noticeable for a guy that wasn't scoring on Friday. But last night, I saw the guy that started the year here. I saw a guy that was having trouble making space for himself. Uh, I saw a guy that was having trouble making plays. And look, he has just been like Pascal Vincent has said that they need him to get stronger, and they're trying to do it during the season. And last week on this show, I speculated that sending him to the American League, they might be able to make him stronger during the year, and I asked Pascal about that the other day, and he said, yes, that's absolutely it. It's more like a college schedule. You play on the weekends. You have more days during the week where you can strength train and practice. So that was was part of them sending him there. And then with the, uh, the injury to Cole Sillinger, they went and they, they bring him back up and try to give him another chance here. But I, on Friday, I thought uh, maybe that was a good decision. Yesterday, unfortunately, I saw the guy that I've seen all year. So he, he's got to get stronger. He's getting pushed off pucks. And if you're a playmaker and you can't have the puck on your stick, then it doesn't matter. Then you become just like anybody else.
3: Yeah, I saw him in Cleveland for a game, and you can just see the talent. I mean, it's there. But, yeah, it's just not transferring over to the NHL level yet. And like I said, I, just, I didn't know if it was something with him or, no. like you said, still, still growth. It is still growth. I mean,
0: he's, he's a small kid, and he's just um, – I, I think he struggles putting weight on, quite honestly. And as much as this league is all about skill now, it's still about big players. And when a big player goes to a small player, they're going to win that battle. And I think that's what's happening with Kent right now. And, you know, somebody last week asked about Oliver Bjorkstrand when he first came into the league. And, yeah, he was a small, scrawny guy. And now you look at him, he's a, he's a totally different guy just in his his build because he's been in this league for years and he knows how to go about it. Now, Kent Johnston's still just in really in his second year here, second full year in the NHL. He's got a long way to go. But um but he's not going as as quickly as some other guys. That is that's a fact. So I'll give you that.
3: Perfect. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it.
0: All right, thank you. All right. Where are we going? Uh where are we going next? Yeah, Fantilly Fanatic. He did have that. He had sent me that on X earlier today and I hadn't gotten to it. So I'm glad that he got on board and just asked it. Uh, Morgan Bennett said, how likely is it that we could trade Spencer Martin? It seems like it's likely he will be picked up on waivers. And if so, who are the Oilers looking at? We kind of went over that. I'm telling you, could you trade Spencer Martin? I don't know. I I don't know. But you're going to try to. You don't want to give up anybody for nothing. They did that with Liam Foody. He ended up getting claimed on waivers. They haven't lost anybody else, but... A goalie that is playing well and can get you some wins from that backup position will be a coveted goalie. There's no question about that. Lester, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. How are you?
4: Not bad. Did somebody mention power play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I got a question for you. Yes. This team in the National Hockey League since November 4th, that's one month, is one for 34 on the power play, including 0 for their last 26. Any idea who it is?
0: Well, I'm going to guess that it's a team that uh, would be a surprise. Yes, Pittsburgh,
4: bingo. Yep, Bob, you are a true hockeyologist.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people complaining about their power play, and you know, you, you complain about the Blue Jackets' power play with the talent they have on it, but Pittsburgh, really? Yeah, they're having a problem he, with it. Jeez. you you got a bunch of guys
4: that are the Hall of Famers—the Carlsons, Latangs, the Crosby, Malkin. Maybe, you know, Gensel's a really good play. They can't figure out the power play. Hmm. So I, I don't get as upset about the Blue Jackets situation. I mean, I wish they'd figure it out. But I realize that when a team like Pittsburgh can't figure it out, it's not really an exact science.
0: Here's what I want, at, at this point especially. I don't care if you're 22nd to 27th in the league. Just when you get that one that's going to change the momentum of the game, find a way to get that one. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they've had so many opportunities in the past three weeks, and so few times they were able to capitalize. I don't care if you go one for five, but can you just get the one that you need, the one that's going to set the tone, the one that's going to change the direction?
4: Yeah. Now, here's one more. Name this team. They started the season one and four. They went on a six-game road trip, on every game, including stops in Vegas, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia and Boston, and come back. They gave Boston and Vegas their first losses of the season. Then they promptly went out and lost 10 of their next 12, including eight in a row, which they just ended that skid Saturday night. Any idea?
0: Uh, oh, darn it. Was it Anaheim? Yes.
4: Yeah. My point in bringing that up is this. You can run really cold and then suddenly run really hot. And I look at the Blue Jackets having nine straight getaway, including 13 out of 14. And I think at some point in time, these scales got to balance. And I, I think that the talent is there that at some point in time, this team would get on a roll and and really change the perspective of this season. But I think they really do need to figure out a way. Now, two weeks ago, Elliot Friedman said that they were aggressively pursuing a center. And I respect Friedman in the sense that if you ask him a question and he doesn't know, He doesn't try to speculate. He just says, I don't know. Yep. So I think he only deals in the truth where guys like, and I'm not necessarily knocking them, but your LeBrons and your Cervellis and your Sixeros, they'll try and come up with an answer, I think, just to make it look like they know. But Friedman doesn't do that. So I know that when he says that they're shopping for a center, they're looking for a center. Now, I have to wonder, and you'll think I'm nuts to say this, is there a possibility that they could go out and land a top-line center like a, believe it or not, Leon Draisaitl? And the reason why I bring this up is because Edmonton's cap situation is a disaster, and they've got McDavid coming up in two plus seasons. He's already making 12.5 million. They're into uh, Hyman for 5.5, Kane and uh, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins for 5.1, Nurse for nine and a quarter, Ekholm for six. Bouchard is coming up after next year. He's already making 3.9. He's got 22 points in 22 games. You just can't fit all these guys under the cap unless you want to be in a Toronto situation where they're paying their top five guys $50 million and all they got money left for are rejects and retreads like, you know, Giordano and Klingberg and uh, Reeves, Yarn Crock, Brody, Domi, guys like that who really don't help their situation. And because the bottom of their roster is just so barren, they might make the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere once they get there.
0: So, uh, well, it's very interesting. But if you're Edmonton, what, what do you have to get if you're going to deal Leon Dreisaitl? Because isn't that, you know, they're looking to win a Stanley Cup, right? Is, is that going to move them more in that direction by dealing him with he when he and uh, McDavid make such a great pair?
4: Well, again,
0: I understand the money of it. I get it. I get what you're saying, but I'm just saying, like during the year, you're already struggling. You're, you know, you're you're trying to sell your fans on the fact that you're getting back into this thing, and you can still win a Stanley Cup. And then if you move that guy, you better get something pretty good back.
4: Sometimes you got to do your addition by subtraction.
0: Well, I agree with
4: that. If they can find three or four really good players to fill out their roster. That might make up for what they might lose if they parted ways with Zidal. All
0: right, that's fair. I'll give you that. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, sometimes uh, when people start talking about the Merslekins and change of scenery, and even the Line A things, that that line comes to my head sometimes. The addition by subtraction. I'm not saying that, you know. Like They're very good players, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you get to a point, not saying they're there yet, but sometimes you get to a point where sometimes it's, you know, uh, you can get to a point where it's the guy that you think you cannot do without that you find out that not only you did do without, but you did better without, right?
4: True. Well, uh, for me, for instance, I'm not knocking the guy. I like him. But if Elvis Merzlikens is playing well right now, then I probably want to move him because – Elvis tends to be all about his feelings and emotions, and if he gets upset, then all of a sudden he starts to go the other way. I would much rather move him while he's movable than to hang on to him and say, I wished I would moved him when I had the chance. There's other goalies out there that you can get. And as far as Jack Campbell goes, you want to get another team involved to facilitate the money. The problem is there's not many teams. So the sooner that you make the trade, the better the chances are of it actually happening. I mean, I I comb through the salary caps, Chicago has 10 million, Anaheim and Buffalo have seven million, Nashville has six, nobody else has more than four. Right. So, you know, once you make that deal and say somebody like Chicago says, okay, we'll take three or four number one draft picks and take on Campbell and stick him in the minor leagues. Once that's done, it's done. And they don't have the wherewithal to do it again. Yep.
0: Yeah, very good point. But do I mean do you see any way Elvis goes there without you having to take him? I mean, you've got to get somebody else involved, right?
4: Like I said, you'd have to get Chicago involved. Yeah, Chicago. Or I don't think Nashville would because they're kind of a team in contention. Anaheim really isn't. Buffalo fancies themselves as a team that should be better than it is, and I agree they should be better than they are. I don't understand what's wrong there. But so that's, you know, an- that's like another said, coaching
0: situation to watch. There, I think that's rapidly hitting the radar.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. But again, just to say, if there was some way that you could work a blockbuster trade. And you move three or four guys off our roster that we could that we could replace. You know, I'm not going to sit here and name names. That's ridiculous. But right. that we feel we could replace or that we have people that would be ready in a year. And you could move Elvis and you could somehow land dry side. Oh, yeah, you might have to part with some high draft picks. But if you could bring a guy like that in, I mean, sometimes I think what we need is some swagger. And I wouldn't mind having a guy that could come in and take somebody like Adam Fantilli under his wing, who's done it before, who's won a scoring title, and say, son, here's how you do it.
0: Yeah, you're you're right on on all of those points. I'm not going to argue any of those things. But that would be – the only thing I'm hesitating about is you're saying, like, pulling off a blockbuster, and I'm sitting here thinking, this team's been trying to trade. They've just been trying to unload one or two defensemen since the summer. And nothing will break to even get that done. So what are the what's the likelihood of a blockbuster?
4: Well, you never know. Did you see the Panarin or the uh, Seth Jones trades coming? I mean, uh, they can always work out something. I mean, GM. Yeah, but those are, those were both
0: in the, the summer though, too, though. That's
4: true. They both were, but I just think that Edmonton is in a situation where they can't let this be a lost season.
0: Well, you're yeah, right about exactly. that. There's there's jobs yeah. on the line there. The coach already lost his. The GM is yeah. next. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with that.
4: So, and I do believe that Yarmo's has extended himself to say, well, we're we're contending for a playoff spot. Okay, if we're contending for a playoff spot, you may have to put your money where your mouth is.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens here. But I know you were a big uh, Provorov advocate for a long time, and they finally got him. So uh, we'll see. Maybe you can uh, – lightning will strike twice for you.
4: Well, it may not necessarily have to be Drysdale, but I, I think it's interesting that Edmonton, like I said, they're going to face a crossroads because they're already into 57 million on seven guys, and you figure uh, McDavid's going to get a raise in two years.
0: Uh, is going to stay a there. <sighs> well. Isn't that a great question? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's. It's easy Let to say yes because that. that's the only place he's been, but man, I'll tell you, that's for for did. me, it's a tough place to be. Period. But you know, and do, if, but to be there and lose, that's worse.
4: Well, if he doesn't want to stay there, then at that point in time, you better start looking at a rebuild and quit adding big contracts.
0: Oh yeah, no, hundred percent, big time. Yeah, then you're selling the house and you're just starting from scratch.
4: Yeah, because like I said, dry sidles making an eight point five. He's looking at a big raise. McDavid's looking at a big raise. Bouchard's looking at a big raise. That's going to push this thing upwards of $70 million on seven guys, and they're still into Nugent Hopkins and Nurse for seven years, Hyman for four more. It's just they're going to have to do something because they're painting themselves in a big corner, and it's going to be tough to get out of it.
0: That Nurse contract, how bad does that look right now?
4: Oh, boy. Well, not as bad as the, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic in Anaheim. <laughs> you're paying that guy seven million to be awful. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. All right, Lester.
0: Thanks. Great work as always. Yep. Talk to you next week. baby. All right. You know, Lester usually closes it out. I don't know why it works that way. I think he just has that knack to kind of know when, well, all you got to do is look at the clock, right? We've been doing this for a little over an hour and, um, you know, kind of, uh, Kind of runs its course, I guess. He he knows. He knows when to get in. Comes in like that closer out of the bullpen. Trots in. Does the job. Boom. And we're out. Blue Jackets are back at work tomorrow night. It's a busy week. They're about to play three games in four days. Tomorrow night, the Los Angeles Kings are here. That'll be a 7 o'clock start at Nationwide Arena. Then you've got uh, a trip On Wednesday, you have to leave after practice, head out to Long Island, take on the Islanders on Thursday night, turn around and come right back to Nationwide Arena to play against the St. Louis Blues on Friday night. So that's what's coming up this week, two home games, Tuesday night, Friday night, 7 o'clock starts at Nationwide Arena. So there you have it. We've gone through your questions. I've given you my answers. I've asked you some questions. You've given me your answers. And that's what we like to have here. Balance. Balance on the Monday mailbag. That's what it's all about. Except in Canada. In Canada, that's what it's all about. So there we go. That's going to do it. Thanks for your questions. I appreciate it. Again, those of you that are on and you listen every week, don't be shy. You're, you're more than welcome to come on. No question is a stupid question. Except maybe the ones I ask you. But when you ask me, no question is a stupid question. So in the future... Feel free to be a bigger participant. and uh, But I know you're there. That's that's really the important thing, quite frankly. So thank you for being there. I appreciate it. Thanks to those of you that joined the show today. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Monday Mailbag. Tomorrow night, the Blue Jackets take on the Los Angeles
3: Kings, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob at saying so long.